What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm gonna go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Hello, Mimi Shoneman. <laughs> well, good morning to you, Tiffany. I guess I'm your co-host then. Uh, this is Tiffany Norton. You are listening to my talk 1071, the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Super excited to finally meet one of my best friend's best friends. Oh, <laughs> huh. well, very nice to meet you as well. Yes, I'm Tiffany Norton filling in for the lovely and talented Miss Shannon Paul. She is enjoying some R&R and I wish I was with her. There you go. Yes, exactly. But we're here to talk about real estate. We are real estate and mortgage and the markets. Mm-hmm. And we've got our good friend, Phil Olson here. Phil, welcome. Good, mo- good morning. And He's got new headphones. He does. He's They're, fancy. They, they look cool. You <laughs> like them? I do. They've got like the fabric on top. That'd be good. I don't want anything that'll catch my hair too much. That's right. Yeah. Well, they're comfy. <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about the hair part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Phil. Who are you with? And let's hear your numbers. I'm with Cross Country. Cross country mortgage, perfect. I'm, I'm getting a oh, ton of back noise. It's oh, repeating. he's getting a little bit of feedback. Okay, no problem. Just tell everybody your NMLS numbers. NMLS two three eight one zero three. Company NMLS three zero two nine. Cross country mortgage. All right. Well, so we've had a really interesting week um, with all of the banking news, and uh, Phil is going to be talking about that as soon as we get everything. Fixed with our equipment issues at the moment, but I'm going to go ahead and give some updates on the real estate news uh, for closed sales for the Twin Cities, the 13 county Twin Cities region. Uh, this past week, we have reports of new listings being 3,361, and our closed sales are 2,260. Our median sales price is 344,000 and that's up 6%. Our average sales price is 401,980 up 4%. Wow. And our price per square foot for the 13 county Twin Cities region is $198 per square foot. Um that is also up 5%. Really? Our percent of original list price that our sellers are receiving is 97.1%. And that is down, actually, almost 4%. Last year in February, at the same time, it was 100.8%. So that we're getting more last year in February than our sellers are seeing right now. Um, Our days on market has also shifted quite a bit, almost 42% up. Uh, We're about averaging 61 days on the market, whereas last year at the same time, we were at 43 days. Um, Our inventory of homes for sale this February was 5,216. That's up 7%. Last year in February at the same time, 4,872 homes for sale. And our month supply of inventory, which we've talked about a lot, is between five and six is a normal market. It's balanced between our buyers and our sellers. And this year, right now in February, we're at 1.3 months of inventory. That's up 44.4%. Last year at this time, we were under one, and that is 0.9%. So we are 
very, very anemic with homes that that are on the market. Yeah. You know what's crazy? So I've got a friend who lives in Hudson, and I was looking to see what was available in that area because I, I like it, you know? And, man, there was nothing. And I'm like, wow, this is just kind of a regular average bedroom community, but there was almost nothing on sale or on sale. <laughs> For sale. <laughs> <laughs> I like on sale better, but that not really. But, yeah, there's just no inventory. Yes, and so... You know, Phil was talking about some of the buyers that he had out looking last week, and he represents different real estate companies and professionals um, as much as I'd like to say he just works for me. Um, But anyway, so he was, Phil, tell everybody a little bit about some of your buyer experiences and and what they were up against. Uh, I actually think this market is, is almost like last year now. All right. I had one client that made an offer on a $360,000 home. They were up against 26 offers. Oof. I had another client that uh, was almost at 400000 They were up against 32 offers. Unfortunately, both of my buyers did not get the home, okay. unfortunately. So let's, let's unpack that, Tiffany's word, um, <laughs> a little bit. And so what price point were those buyers in? Were they similar or different? Oh, I would say they're between the three and four hundred thousand dollar range. Okay, and you said that you had twenty some offers and thirty some offers on the other one. Yeah, it was. I think it was like twenty six offers on the first one, and the other one was was thirty thirty two offers. And then I had another client where the agent called me, and then then we talked with our buyer, and they decided they didn't even want to make an offer on the specific property based on what they were going to have to do to even get into the game, so to speak. Right. And so, you know, this brings up another subject about contingencies. I have people question me uh, when we're meeting, what the heck is that? You know, a contingency, explain that. And so anything that you write into the offer that is extra Mm -hmm. might be considered a contingency. So for instance, if you're financing your loan, that is a financing contingency. And if you're asking for a home inspection, that would be an inspection contingency. Um, it, anything that you have in there, for instance, if a lot of folks right now are doing down payment assistance programs, that they're putting that on there. So when you're when you're the seller, you're looking for the least amount of trouble mm-hmm. and the most money. Yeah, contingencies are basically conditions, right? Essentially, like, you know, if this, then this. You're asking for something. You're asking for something. And so, for instance, uh, if if Phil's two buyers, they came in and they were all in at 100% of the asking price. If you're notified that you've got 20 some offers, what do you do? What are your choices? Well, your choices are to raise the price, but then you are, are you're dealing with whether the house will appraise or not. And then you're also dealing, okay, so I'm going to raise the price. I'm going to, you know, have to figure out about this appraisal. Then the, the listing agent should be asking you, do you have the money to make up the appraisal gap? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of folks, you know, they don't have that extra cushion. So what does appraisal gap mean? Appraisal gap is is basically the buyer saying, I have this much extra money to cover that in case the house does not appraise for the escalated price. On a positive, I will tell you over the last two weeks, I've gotten two Minnesota housing loans, uh, purchase agreements approved. I've gotten one VA client approved, one USDA client approved. So I, I would just tell you our market is spotty. It's all over the board. 
Uh, if the if the property is one day on the market, just or coming soon, and it looks beautiful, and it's priced right, expect to be in a multiple offer situation. Then again, if the house maybe is not perfect, maybe it's got you know some ugly paint colors, maybe some worn carpet, um, maybe it doesn't flow as well as some other house. I'm seeing my clients being able to get those those types of properties. You know, you you need to pay attention to how long the house has been on the market. If a house is positioned well, if it's staged well, if it flows, if it's in the right neighborhood, all of those things, they matter. And so if if perhaps you can take your your perfect eyeglasses off and put your ugly house eyeglasses back on, you might be able to get a really solid house that might just need some cosmetic touch-ups. Buyers are so visual, and I I tell this to our sellers. They sometimes can't see past the least little thing. Mm. And paint is your very, very best friend when it comes to selling real estate. It's the highest return on investment that you can get. Um, It's the easiest thing to do. And, you know, yeah, painters are not cheap. Uh, They work hard for their money. So... But you have to understand if that cost of the paint job is going to cost you more money in the lack of uh, offers, then that's well worth it. Absolutely. Well, and it sounds like you definitely get your return back. And it's so, it's so instant. Yes. God, I love new well, paint. Well, it's also personal gratification that yes. the buyer gets when they when they actually work on their home and they make it make it themselves you exactly know? and you know buyers do you they do expect to get a discount if the house is not somewhat move-in ready so you know take that for what it's worth sure and we're going to take a break and we should delve into that a little bit and you're going to give us an update as well phil on what's been going on with this uh, interesting market this week absolutely a couple stories about it in the news yeah just a few just a little bit yeah, yeah. I know. How do you like that for a tease? (laughs) Well, you know what? Stay tuned. Actually, and if you want to get in on the conversation with us, you can always connect with us live, 651-641-1071. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, and we will be right back on My Talk. Oh, such a classic. I'm wondering to myself, how did that get on the board? I love it. Great song. It's a a replacement. Perfect. I, I love Donna. Disco. Let's kick it old school. Let's do it. Let's yeah. talk about uh, banking like it is the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible tie no back. Intended. <laughs> Terrible tie back. Well, you uh, are listening to My Talk 107.1. Uh, Tiffany Norton talking to, uh, we're doing the uh, Red Hot Real Estate Show. I'm talking to Mimi Shoneman and also uh, Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. And we're talking about. So we're going to talk a little bit about what everybody's been talking about this past week. Um, There's been a lot of uh, trepidation, I guess is the right word, about the banking industry. And Mr. Olson is going to give us his take on on the banking thing that happened this week, the closures, and how that might affect mortgages. Sure. Well, folks, first thing I want to say is just understand our banking system is fine. All right. We're not going to lose our money. Not all the banks are going to go out of business. And for those of you that have money in the bank, you're insured up to 250000 For those that are maybe have a million dollars, maybe you want to have it in four different banks versus I one will, bank. I will say that Mr. Wonderful 
Um, he is recommending for his clients to diversify into five different banks. Yep. To not have more than 20% of what they have in any one bank. Yes. So take that for that nugget. I personally think that's a brilliant strategy. I, I totally agree. Now, so what happened here this week? We had the blow up of SBB Bank in California. We had Signature Bank. We had Credit Suisse that's now getting bailed out by another bank. We've got First Republic Bank, where Wells Fargo, Citibank, Bank of America, they all ponied up $30 billion to put in, in, in their bank accounts. So what happened, folks? What really happened here is, is inflation. It's all started with inflation, and then it started with the Fed increasing the prime rate. Well, they increased the prime rate almost 5% in one calendar year, probably one of the biggest rate increases uh, to the prime rate that we've seen. Matter of fact, maybe if we go back all the way to the Great Depression, that didn't happen, all right? So what is it that caused this issue? It has to do with the bonds. Banks hold securities, and these banks were holding bonds at 25 3% interest rates where the current bonds, be it on the mortgage side, are coming in at six, six and a half. And banks have to guarantee these securities. Now, they don't have to guarantee them 100%. I believe it's 10% that they have to guarantee those specific bonds. Well, what happened was Kramer came out and he said, SVB is a great bank. Invest in SVB. And guess what? The bond market, the stock market, they all started looking at SVB. And then your online investors started looking at SVB. And, oh, boy, somebody found, figured out they were upside down $15 billion. Ooh, Ooh. gosh. And guess what? Don't you think they would have noticed that at about maybe $1 billion? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there was a lot of things that happened with SVB that shouldn't have happened. But what happened is, is there was a run on the bank. And because the bank couldn't cover their existing loans, mm -hmm. it caused them to basically go out of business. And part of their, what, SBV Financial filed for, I believe, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And when you have a big bank like that go out of business, there's a ripple effect. And that ripple effect hit Signature Bank and it hit First Republic. And then somehow Credit Suisse, who's had been having problems for years, they started going belly up, all right? And then the Swiss government came in and bailed them out. So what's happened, though? Mortgage interest rates have gone down three-eighths of a percent. In a week. In a week. And it's kind. Con it, it, we use the term, it's called the flight to safety. People pull their money out of the stock market, and they move it to the bond market, all right? Oh, yeah, that is... Everybody's looking for a safe harbor right now. In fact, we've got a caller on the line right now. It looks like Mary's got a question for you two experts. Mary, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Hey, Mary. Happy Sunday. Happy, Happy Sunday. Sunday. So you were talking about paint. Yes, ma'am. Which all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I've got a friend of mine that money is no object. He's got, you know, multi-million dollar homes. He's got an empty house that is worth about 600000 And he wants to redo the kitchen. 
and redo all the stuff before he sells it. And I said, um, no, because the new owners, I think, my humble opinion, is they would come in, they would want their countertops. He wants to do their, the countertop, the floors, everything. That's a and big I'm project. Like, no, the new owners want to make their house their home. Well, that's, you know, that's an interesting conundrum. Um, and it kind of is going to depend, Mary, in my opinion, on what else has been selling in the neighborhood. So let's just say that the homes that are the closest to this particular friend of yours have all updated kitchens and they have all updated fixtures and new paint and everything's sparkling and brand new. And then that is what he will be selling again. So if he is willing, your friend, to price it correctly, yep. then maybe it would not be worth the, the extra effort and expenses. But maybe if he or she did those improvements, they could command quite a lot more money. Um, and it really, it just depends. It depends on time and money and return on an investment. Um, and it's hard to know unless you really examine the comps that have sold within the last six months, the closest to that particular property. And so when you're comparing comps, as you probably already know, you want to look for a similar style of home, a simple, similar age, something that is within a mile is a perfect comp, same school district, et cetera, et cetera. And so it'd be really nice to uh, maybe get some information from you off air and we can talk a little bit more about his particular situation and I, I can give you an opinion what I think. Would that be helpful? Yeah. And, and one other side note, it's been empty for six years. Okay. Well, here's my advice for that. <laughs> that is a very, very bad idea. Yep. Um, I know. We but have, he built a $20 million dollar house down the road. Okay. Here's why that's a bad idea for anyone, anywhere. Squatters. Squatters are starting to become a oh, yeah. problem all across the country. And once they get into your home, you have to do a formal eviction just as if, uh, you know, you had had a renter and they're not paying. So we'd be happy to talk a little bit more with you about all of these things. Yeah, absolutely. But I told him, I'm like, don't redo everything because, I mean, a new wife comes in and goes, I don't like the dark granite. I like the light granite. I don't like this. I don't like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, you know, it's it, uh, everybody has their own opinion about their own home. You know, it's kind of like picking out shoes. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah. Yep, absolutely. Well, Mary, we sure do appreciate you listening, and we sure appreciate your calling, because if you had a question or a suggestion like that, then there's other people that will as well. Absolutely. And you are listening to, looks like uh, we've got, oh man, we got a ton of people on the phones. That's why we've uh, been kind of a little bit distracted Are we going to talk about shoes or banking? <laughs> I think... I think they're so related. Okay. I mean, how can we not talk a little bit about both? Okay. You are listening to the Red Hot Real Estate Show. We will be right back. If you want to join the conversation, 651-641-1071. You got 30 seconds there, hon, for a rap bed. Oh, I do. Look at you. Get chat and talk I about thought it was. I thought it was, uh, I said, is my stop set at 25? And I thought it was. 2530, you're going to hear some music in 2530. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then let's not wrap the conversation. Let's talk about shoes. No, Mimi, what? We, please continue your thought. <laughs> well, you know, I 
my thought about the last caller, Mary's suggestion with a friend, I I think that's marvelous that she's so concerned about her neighbor. I really do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, especially for our high net worth individuals that are out there, you know, they, they really have their own way of looking at things. And maybe the motivation and the timing is not quite the same as, as some other folks might have. Um, but it really is, like I mentioned, uh, important to look at what's going on with your other neighbors. And you want to match that and mirror that as much as possible so that you can be competitive. That's what our buyers are expecting. Uh- Welcome back, everyone. My Talk 1071 Red Hot Real Estate Show. And it looks like we have a caller we want to get right off the bat. It looks like we're going to speak to Kate. Perfect. Kate, how you doing? Uh, is it me? Yeah, it's you, darling. Come on oh, to oh, the hi. show. It's Join us. I hear you, but yes, um, I, I wanted to say that by listening to your show, you were very helpful for me selling my home back in the beginning of the pandemic. I actually sold it in fall of 2020 and moved. Um, so thank you for that. Your advice was really good. It got a great mortgage rate, et cetera. Awesome. Here's my question. I'm retired. Part of my funds are in my credit union where I have a very good mortgage rate. And the others are uh, a lot of my retirement is in Wells Fargo. I don't know that I want to go to five banks. Is two enough? And how do credit unions stack up safety-wise against some of the larger banks? Okay. Those are really great questions, Kate. Um, You know, credit unions are also insured, but they are not necessarily insured with FDIC. They have their own credit union type of insurance product. Um, now I can't give you financial advice. I'm just telling you what Mr. Wonderful had to say about diversifying into five banks. I personally think that's a brilliant strategy. The more, the more you have it spread out, you know, the safer you possibly can be. Can a credit union go under, you know, any, any institution could possibly go under. Phil, uh, you were talking during the break about, uh, mortgages that credit unions often hold. There's a, a credit unions. They, there's a lot of credit unions that portfolio a lot of mortgages. And when you're portfolioing those, they have to basically securitize those and they have to guarantee those up to a specific percentage of their deposits. So, I mean, right now, this last week, Bank of America, probably one of the largest banks in the United States, is basically in see, seeing their deposits increase by almost 20%. Um, you know, if you've got investments, 401ks, IRAs, that is totally different than what's going on here in the banking industry. This has to do with bank deposits. It has to do with your checking, your savings accounts. It has nothing to do with your 401ks, IRAs, SEPs, all those types, annuities. That has nothing to do with what's going on in the banking system. You know, Kate, um, the other thing I wanted to put out there for everyone who's listening, um, real estate right now, people, Real estate does not walk out the door. It doesn't lock the door on you. Real estate is sitting there and you can go and look at it. Real estate has always been a great investment. If you're really looking to diversify your portfolio in any fashion, uh, cash, uh, pulling it out of 401ks, doing things like that, self-directed IRAs, real estate is the ticket. And guess what? Real estate doesn't charge fees because what is going on in the banking industry, they've already said that bank fees are going to rise rapidly. And you might go, well, they said that the government is going to do this bailout. The government's not doing this bailout, folks. It's going to be paid for by us, the U.S. consumer, with higher bank fees. 
And there we go. There we went. <laughs> right down the rabbit hat. That's well, the truth. Like that. It's the truth. Can I ask a quick follow-up? You sure, sure can. Oh, yes, um, b- because mine aren't IRAs. My, my three pensions are actually paying once a month, all three of them, into accounts at Wells Fargo. Okay, their pensions are fine. They're waiting for me. They just they're fixed and they come in. And I thought maybe I should move some of them, two of them maybe over to my credit union. You know, or as you suggested, maybe pick a third bank and. Here's what I think. Here's what I think, Kate. I would like to get your information uh, with our producer, and we want to refer you over to our health and wellness show. Um, I think that this conversation would be great for you to have with a financial planner. Oh, yeah. Cassandra yep, would be all over this. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to kick you back. And thank you so much for the call because it was an awesome question. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Yes, thank you. And we're going to go to uh, line one. We've got Chris on the line. Hey, Chris. How can we help you? Chris? Hi, uh, this is Chris. Yeah, hey, Chris. good morning. It looks like you had a question about FDIC coverage. That's a good one. One more clarification. I, I um, looked into it a little bit, of course, with the SVB collapse. What? And um, for one thing, the uh, FDIC limit uh, goes up, you know, twofold if you're married. So you have both names on the account. Yes. Um, and then also you, you can set up a revocable trust. And you get $250,000 per beneficiary of the trust. You know, it's interesting that you you talk about that because um, we were talking about revocable and irrevocable trusts earlier. You know, so it just depends on how risk averse you actually are. Um, Right. For instance, my personal situation, I... I'm very risk averse. I don't want to possibly lose anything at all. Uh, You work too hard for it, right? So there's no harm in taking your one side of the trust and putting it into a different institution. That's my personal, that's just my personal opinion and certainly not financial advice. Um, but, but you do, even though you're allowed to do it, maybe it would be a better strategy if you split them up. Does that make sense? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, okay. two or three, but, you know, going to five institutions to cover a certain amount of money, you know, that gets a little crazy. Yeah. And I, uh, I just thought it might make sense to know that, uh, like, each, in a, in a, in a husband-wife marriage or a two-person marriage, each person can have their own account in, uh, insured for 250 and then um, you can have a joint separately account um, to get another 500 So you can have a million dollars in one institution. Okay, well... Thank you so much, Chris. Was there anything else that you had a question about or a statement for? No, and okay. of course, of course, everyone should just talk to their own bankers and you know figure it out. Absolutely, situation. You're absolutely Correct. right. So thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, that, those are really great questions. And so, you know, when I when I was first reading about all of this and I was thinking the same thoughts that everybody else was. Okay, so let's look into FDIC a little deeper. And okay, so who who insures FDIC? There are lots of questions. You know, that's insured by the United States government. It's um, paid for with banking fees that go into a giant pool, and that pool is specifically there when in case of a bank failure, that specific call it insurance. Of it's course. an insurance company that comes in and basically saves the day up to two fifty. But one of the points that you made, Mimi, that you know, I, I'd really like to talk about 
is if you've got, folks, if you've got $250,000 in a savings account, most savings accounts are paying less than 1%. What are checking accounts paying? Huh, they're paying nothing. You're better off you putting that money into real estate, an investment property, a second home. Uh, if you're renting and you have that type of money, you're better off buying a house. I mean, this year, they're still projecting with the way things are going right now. I would not be surprised to see a 10% increase in property values based on the limited inventory and the demand that we have for housing. Okay, so um, really what I have been reading is that this is the year where home appreciation is going to be the least. And then next year, starting in 24 or perhaps this fall, we are going to see a rapid rise in appreciation. Um, It's going to start to uptick. So folks, if you are the kind of person that wants to buy at the bottom, now is the time to be getting your your toes into the real estate market. You need to call me, Mimi Shoneman, Remax Results, my phone number direct, 651-578-2218. And then we need to put you in touch with Phil Olson here and so he can get you pre-qualified. Now, I had a really nice conversation with one of our listeners this week. And, you know, they had done a little bit of getting, you know, started with the pre-approval, but they hadn't finished it. And I said to them, I said, what are you going to do if you find the one? Right. And then you haven't and you haven't got all your documentation in and then you've got to wait and what happens if if you lose out on something that would have been perfect for you? There's absolutely no reason, folks, to not get pre-approved. Even if you don't use it, get it done. If you if you are on some of the online portals and you're you're kind of just you know you're window shopping. Yeah, you know you're window shopping. If you're looking, you're looking, Phil. Now with a pre-approval, this is the question that I get: How long is it good for? Folks with me, it's good. It could be good for a year. Let me explain to you why I say that. Your credit is good. The credit report we put good is good for 120 days. Okay. As long as you keep the same job, keep the same income, pay your bills on time, uh, and, and don't make any major changes to your life. That pre approval that I could give you today, in my professional opinion, will be good a year from now. As long as you don't have any major changes, you know, but here's the thing that I talk to people about me getting you approved today also gives me the ability to help you build your credit score. Mm. And if you think a 740 credit score is the best score for mortgages, folks, with the new mortgage rules that are coming to play regarding rates, all right, called loan level pricing adjustments. If you're a 740, you now want to be a 780, and I can help you get there. Let's talk about that for a quick second, then we're going to go into a break. But when we come back from the break, let's talk about some of the things that they can do to go from 740 to 780. And yeah, I think, boy, I bet we're going to get a lot of calls on that increase as well. Uh, you know what? The conversation is just continuing. The Red Hot Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. And you're listening to My Talk. Welcome back to My Talk 1071. We are on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. That was bad habit. Uh, we're going to talk about some good habits, so good credit habits, right? 
we are gonna, we are going to talk about it. That is so perfect. Really, if you think about it, it takes good habits to have a good credit score. It, it does. does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking at the last break about um, some of the changes that are coming down the road. We're not going to get into those today in the mortgage lending world, um, but it is going to affect folks with their credit. And so um, even our good credit people are going to be affected, unfortunately. So let's talk about taking someone who has, quote unquote, good credit of a 740. And what can they do to get up to that next bracket where it's going to benefit them if they are looking for housing? Well, I, I guess it really also it depends on what's on credit. Let's talk about what's called thin credit. Thin credit is that consumer that doesn't believe in debt. They're the ones that maybe have only one credit card or they got one loan. Everything else is paid off. All right. And they're a 740. It's really tough to go from a 740 to a 780 when you've got thin credit. So what do I advise those people to do? I would advise them to get one or two credit cards. I don't care what the interest rate is. That's not the purpose of getting the credit card. The purpose of getting the credit card is is what's called the utilization rate. And this is what all three credit bureaus are monitoring. So you get that credit card that gives you a $3,000 credit limit. Well, what I would tell you to do is go charge it up to 200 bucks. Go buy gas, buy food. When you get your bill, pay it down to $25. Keep a running $25 balance. As it goes through the cycle, they have to report. These vendors, these banks have to report to the bureau on a monthly basis. All right? Some people charge on their card and they immediately pay it off. Well, guess what? Then it doesn't even get reported on the credit bureaus. The bureaus don't see it. So there's oh, there's a situation where you've okay. got... Where so you've you're got, doing the right thing, right? You're doing the right thing. But, but it's, you're not getting credit. You're not getting credit because oh. you've already paid it off. Here, I charge 100 bucks. I go online. I go to my app, and I pay off the debt from home. Sure. But it, it doesn't get reported in the cycle. Well, they're okay? not making any interest, so they don't, they don't rate that as well. Well, correct. All right. Now, let's talk about for those that do have credit cards. And right now, from my understanding, credit card debt is at the highest Mm. limit it's ever been in history. In order to get the best credit score, you never want to have your balance greater than 30% of your credit limit. Mm -hmm. So what's an example? My my credit limit's 1,000. That balance should never, ever go up above 300 because if you go from 300 to 500, then then you get a little bit of a, a bump, but you want to keep it below 300. Okay, so here's my question about that. Okay, so you've got credit card number one, and it's a $3,000 limit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're saying that you could never go over $900 on that particular card. If you want to get the best score. Okay, now, if you do that, and let's just say you go ahead and you get another card. Okay, because you're going Delta and you're mm-hmm. one of the miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on that same card number two, same thing? Same thing, but let me give you an example. It's a $3,000 credit limit. You and the wife are flying to Greece. Your tickets are $1,500 each, all right? You have a $3,000 limit. You charge $3,000 on the credit card. You go home immediately, immediately, and you pay it down to $1,000. Because here's how the credit bureaus will interpret this. If you max out your credit card 
and but you're not over the credit limit, oh, they're going to ding you for points. Now go over the credit limit, and they're going to double ding you. All right? Plus, you're going to be hit with it's over the credit limit charges by your by your vendor, be it the bank or credit union, whoever sponsored that specific credit card. Okay. And that's on both of them, not just card number one and card number that two. That would be card number two. If we're going to charge it to the max, you go home and pay it down before they report you to the bureaus for being maxed out. And Okay. So how, how quickly do credit card companies report to the bureaus? Uh, every 30 days. Okay. So you're but, good. You, you said immediately, like when I get home in 30 minutes. I, well, <laughs> same day. I go same day or the next day and pay it down. All right. Um, I mean, you should never, ever charge your credit card up to the max. If you want your credit score to drop, charge it up to the max or go over the credit limit, folks. And if you go over the credit limit, they're going to double ding you. Okay. Well, anything else that you can give for good advice about getting up to that that higher score? Correct. Keep your inquiries. In other words, don't try to get five different credit cards at one time. All right, because that's called an inquiry alert. And if an inquiry alert comes down, we can call it a hawk alert. All right, that can also reduce your score. If you're trying to get from 740 to 780, you've got to do the things that are going to make your score go up. If you do the things that are going to have your score go down, your 740 could turn into a 720. Okay, so this brings a thought that, that I had come to mind. And so people that I talk with often are, are worried about what they consider a soft pull on their credit and a hard pull. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how if somebody's looking for a mortgage and they want to get pre-approved, how that that would affect them? I do soft pulls all the time. I've got two forms of soft pulls. I have a soft pull, which is called a pre-qual AUS. That is pulling in one bureau that's called TransUnion. I also have what's called a soft pull. I get three scores. I get three scores. I do get to see all the debts. Both soft pulls have no effect on credit. Now, but let's talk about a hard pull. You haven't had your credit pulled in the last six months. All right. You doing a hard pull and you haven't done any inquiries. In other words, you haven't applied with other, other companies for other things, car, furniture, whatever the case may be. A hard pull. It's a fallacy, folks. It's not going to affect your score. And if it does affect your score, it's going to affect it by one point. One point is not going to be the difference between you getting a mortgage and not getting a mortgage. Okay, so here's some advice. When you're thinking, when you're window shopping for houses online, we encourage you to to do it at our website, viewgreaterminneapolishomes.com. Check that out. You can shop to your heart's content. You can make appointments, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't want to be going and buying a car. Or you don't want to go and buy furniture. Don't don't window shop those things when you've got a house on your mind. Phil? I, I just had a client that I had to call and give them really bad news. They went and bought a brand new 2023 truck. Oh. Ooh. And oh, by the way, the, the car, I want to call it a mortgage payment. The Probably. car payment was $1,300. For a truck? For a truck. It was an $85,000 truck. Mm. And when we added that debt to their debt-to-income ratios, they went from 42 to 61%, and their loan was no longer approvable. 
Wow. Well, and that's the thing. People will tell you that you can do things, but should you? That's why you've got to talk to the experts. That's why you really need to understand your picture and your goals. 100%. Um, Phil, before we, we end the segment, go ahead and get everybody how how they can get a hold of you. Two easiest ways to get a hold of me is 651-238-6748 or email me at phil at com. Now, I'm just going to end by saying real estate has always and in my opinion, will always be your very, very best investment. It doesn't only have to be your primary residence, folks. Contact us if you would like to explore this option further. You can reach me, Mimi, at mnredhotrealestate.com or again, the phone, 651-578-2218. Thank you so much, man. This hour just flew by. And of course, if you want to continue the conversation, you can do that by following up. Uh, with Mimi and with Phil. You've been listening to the Red Hot Real Estate Show on My Talk 1071. Um, if you want to check out and find out some of the things on MyTalk.com, you can always search with our keyword Red Hot. Thanks so much. I'm Tiffany. 